Hello health champions, welcome back to another episode of The Taboo Doctor, previously known as A Slice of Health. This is the health podcast where no subject is off the table and we answer all the taboo health questions that you've always been afraid to ask. Join me and my friends from all over the world as we demystify healthcare and wellness. It is our aim to turn you into a health champion wherever you go as you slice health fact away from health fiction. Make sure you tell a friend or two to join the revolution. Follow us on social media and also watch the recordings of all our episodes on our YouTube channel, Taboo Doctor. Don't forget that this episode in no way replaces advice from your own healthcare worker or physician. Please be reminded that all the views shared on the podcast reflects the personal and professional views of our guests. I hope you enjoyed the episode. See you on the other side. Hello, health champions. Welcome back to another episode of The Taboo Doctor. It's me, Dami. And today we are going to be talking about vasectomies with Dr. Francis Okoro, who is a GP in the West Midlands. And he is also somewhat of a fitness buff as well. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Okoro, to Taboo Doctor. Tell us a lot about yourself. Okay. So thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate that. So my name's Francis Okoro, Dr. Francis Okoro. I'm based in Birmingham. I've been a GP for only three and a half months now. Yay! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty exciting, pretty new, pretty fresh. Um, I've been a qualified doctor in general for five years now and three months. Um, and in general, I'm just passionate about fitness. I'm passionate about um, the whole journey of being a new GP and trying to find my feet and, and trying to sort of gain confidence in the field. That is great. And what do you do for fun? <laughs> so... <laughs> Fun for me is exercise. So I am, as you said, a bit of a fitness freak. So I think that the main things that I do in my free time are kind of going to the gym five, six times a week. I used to be big on running, but I've torn my hamstrings a couple of times. So (laughs) I've stopped that for the time being. So it's mainly fitness, um, socialising with friends whenever I get the chance to, going out for food when the government allows us to. (laughs) So yeah, those sort of things more than anything. Awesome. That is great. And um, now, obviously, we're in a season of COVID and everything is distanced now. And unfortunately, you've also been, you know, struck by COVID. What encouragement would you give to people who are probably going through it? Because, you know, there's a lot of isolation. And then also once you've been diagnosed with it, you then have to even isolate a lot more. What words of encouragement would you give to people who are going through it right now? I think that mentally it's very difficult for a lot of people, particularly yeah. people who live by themselves, people that depend on other people in order to sort of get by their sort of daily routine. I think that kind of making sure that we communicate with others. So things like this are great, Zoom mm-hmm. and sort of contacting friends and family. Because yeah. sometimes it's just a phone call or just knowing that somebody's thinking about you. I think yeah. that communication is the best thing that allows people to get through these sort of lonely tough times. Yeah, yeah, that, that is really important. And so we're going to talk about vasectomies today. And um, I always find that anything male health related is taboo. Correct. Anything sexual health related is taboo. Mm-hmm. And then when you combine sexual health and male health together, yes. it's a complete explosion especially when talking about male genitals and vasectomies. So let us talk about what a vasectomy is and then start to explore why it's a taboo and why perhaps more men should consider having a vasectomy for, um, for, as a contraceptive. 
So what's a vasectomy? So um, a vasectomy is basically a procedure um, that males can have in order to prevent them from um, obviously being at risk of getting a female pregnancy or sexual intercourse. So it involves cutting the tube called the vas deferens, which carries um, the sperm from the testicles um, sort of to the penis during ejaculation. So in theory, um, should it be successful, which is extremely accessible in comparison to female sterilization, that means that the risk of um, getting a female pregnant actually is foregone. Um, so essentially it's a, it's a procedure that should have more awareness as we're going to discuss. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think you said the word cut mm. and I think, <laughs> and I think for, for men and obviously you're a man so you'll be able to comment on this yeah. the word cut associated with a man's genitals for a man must be very frightening must be quite scary what what does that word cut you know um, insinuate to a man 100 i think you've hit the nail on the head in the sense that as guys we're very protective of our crown jewel so to speak <laughs> so i think that anything that involves surgery knife anything down below we automatically get squeamish about it um, but I guess the procedure itself is only a 15-minute procedure. It's done under local rather general anaesthesia, meaning that people don't have to be put asleep. So it's a really simple thing to actually happen. So I think that cut sometimes maybe might not be the best word to use because of the fact that we automatically, as males, get scared about it. But it's, it's something that's really, really simple. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the fact that it's a 15 minute procedure, which means that a man can literally walk into a clinic, mm. have it done and walk out without ever going under and tell us about the pain associated with it and perhaps maybe the discomfort associated with it as well okay okay so in terms of the procedure itself um the thing that we need to know as guys is that after one week we're recommended to go back to work and if you compare that to what females go through through female sterilization or even if you talk about hysterectomy where um the womb is removed then the recovery period is massively massively lower um, and yes, any procedure is going to cause a bit of discomfort, but it's the word discomfort rather than pain. So after sort of a day, you should be able to walk around the house and go about your activities through the house. So I think that sort of actually stating these things makes it easier for guys to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned something about comparing it to female sterilization, which involves a woman having to go through general anesthesia which basically means she needs to be put to sleep and it is actually called a major operation compared to a vasectomy which is considered a minor operation yeah. but um why don't we talk about the fact that actually the vasectomy does not actually affect a man's ability to function sexually because mm -hmm. i think that there is this fear isn't it of well, if you're cutting me, are you affecting my ability to function sexually? Are you going to affect my manhood? Can you, can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, 100%. So I think that there's loads of myths that we need to debunk as guys. Yeah. And I think that, as you said, in terms of erectile function, in terms of pleasure, there's also been discussion in the past, does it have any links to prostate cancer? Um, but there actually is no evidence to support any of those things. After the procedure, um, we do need to use contraception um, for a period of time. So if we are having sexual intercourse and we don't want to get a female pregnant, we have to use condoms um, at least for sort of three months or so just to make sure that that side of things um, is sort of checked before yeah. beforehand. But in general, the function in terms of erections, in terms of pleasure, that is not affected at all. 
That's fantastic. And that's really important. So now that we know that the penis itself is not affected and we know that for a period of time after that, you can still get a woman pregnant. Mm. What exactly does the vasectomy then do in terms of how it works in ensuring in the future that you're not able to get someone pregnant? What does it change in terms of the male function? Okay. So I think that in terms of the male function, in terms of the actual act of having sex, it changes nothing in terms of um, actually the risk of getting someone pregnant. Um, if the vasectomy is done well and it's actually a successful procedure, so the stats are around sort of one in a thousand failure rate, which is obviously extremely small. Yeah. Um, all that's going to change is that, yes, you still have ejaculates. So when you have sex and you ejaculate, you're still able to ejaculate normally, but it just means that the semen itself has no sperm. That's, that's mm. what it means. That's great. And what about this fear? Because I've heard men say, but I don't want to be shooting blanks. What do you say? What do you say to that? Um, Because, you know, Mm. it it has to be, these things have to be done in a sensitive way to explain to people who have a very strong identity with their manhood and with the way society has portrayed what sexuality and what sexual prowess means to a man. So what do you say to a man who feels, no, I don't want to be shooting blanks if that's what this is going to do to me? So actually, I know this is going to sound quite crude, but if you think about when somebody ejaculates, um, if they have sperm in it and they don't have sperm in it, you cannot tell the difference. So actually the same bodily processes happen when you're having sexual intercourse. It's just that microscopically there will be no sperm. So I think that's all it is. And as you've sort of alluded to as well, I think that anything to do with surgery down below um, is something that we shy away from. We get scared about it. And as guys, we have to communicate to each other and have conversations about it to make it a bit more open. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so we were talking about con- comparing it to female sterilization, obviously, which yeah. is quite a significant procedure. And then also other forms of female contraception, of which there are so many, which are mostly hormonal. Yeah. What would you say to men to then consider the fact that actually the vasectomy compared to a lot of these procedures and hormonal treatments that women have to undergo, the vasectomy might actually be the easier route and it might be kinder to their female partner to actually simply have a vasectomy than put her through that. What would you say about that? No, I think I agree. I think that um, actually, if you look at facts and figures, which is obviously something that's really important when anybody wants to consider these sort of procedures, we know that in terms of the male vasectomy, the failure rate is one in a thousand. In terms of the female sterilization, which is um, cutting of the fallopian tube, I should not use the word cutting, (laughs) (laughs) but tying of the fallopian tube or clamping of the fallopian tube, the failure rates are anywhere between two to five out of a thousand. And you've also mentioned the fact that um, it involves general anesthesia, so already we're looking at more risks. And actually the procedure for males is really simple, the recovery rate is extremely quick, and afterwards you can continue going about your normal life extremely quickly and then you put on top of it it's the things you said hormonal contraception so there's all the hormonal side effects you need to think about there's compliance you can remember taking it or not there's so many of the factors that increases the failure rate of all these other forms of female contraception whereas for a guy it's over 99 percent effective so if you wait up it's a bit of a no-brainer 
Yeah, yeah. And when men feel that, no, but, you know, they're not the ones that are getting pregnant. So if a woman doesn't want to get pregnant, then she should take the responsibility of that. What would you say to men who make this kind of statement? <laughs> I need to check out if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think in all seriousness, um, it all comes down to it being taboo. Because obviously, when it comes to um, females giving birth or if it comes down to anything to do with female reproductive um, yeah. function, that's something that's openly talked about. And how often in GP land do you see a female talking about her problems openly and she's able to sort of talk about it, have open dialogue, talk about yes. her symptoms, talk about her periods and just sort of feel comfortable in doing it. Whereas with a guy, it's kind of something that we sit on our symptoms. If we do have any symptoms, we don't talk about it. Yeah. So I think that, it's just dialogue it's simply dialogue that needs to be really really important in order to ensure that actually it's very very simple for us guys to undergo this procedure and actually if we care about our partner that we're with um it's actually so much safer for us to make that little sacrifice in comparison to what they may need to go through yeah yeah definitely and so you know we're 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 pushing vasectomies as this amazing thing but it does have some side effects in terms of long-term issues as well for men i mean obviously we know that you know female contraceptives especially hormonal ones sometimes come with the risk of breast cancer ovarian cancer um blood clots and sometimes um risks of heart disease as well um but what are the risks long term for men who go through vasectomies and also maybe we should also put a number to it as well so that we don't frighten the ones that might consider going for a vasectomy <laughs> yeah so in terms of vasectomies for males um i think that the one myth or sort of things that people need to consider is, is it reversible? Is it not reversible? Mm. And um, the, the sort of stats are that in the first 10 years after having had a vasectomy, um, the reversibility of it is about 50%. And that drops to anywhere between sort of 30% and even lower in the 10 to 20 years after having it. So it's important for us to have conversations with our significant other go through any counselling that we need to go through in terms of speaking to our GP, speaking to um, the urologist that may do the procedure itself and ensuring, okay, I'm 100% happy with my life so far. If I do want to have children in the future, this is something that I've completely considered. So you, you kind of need to treat it as something that is fully, fully, fully permanent. Mm. So you're not having to go through the process of trying to reverse it. And I think that's one of the important things that um, has to be considered when we're talking about these sort of procedures. Yeah. Um, and I think that other things that obviously um, could go wrong are obviously infection, um, which is extremely low risk, but it's always a theoretical risk. There can be nerve dysfunction. And we've talked about other things that could theoretically happen. Um, but in terms of things like prostate cancer, there isn't any uh, definitive link between the two whatsoever. There isn't any definitive link in terms of erectile function. Um, so I think that when we go through these sort of decisions and weigh up the pros and the cons, speaking to people in the medical profession, speaking to your GP, speaking to urologist, rather than just sort of speaking to your friend or going on Google, those are the things that we need to sort of make sure that, that we go through the proper process of doing. 
yeah yeah definitely and you know you said something which is really important especially in sort of the african context and those of us that have grown up in african households we kind of notice these kind of things in our cultures um you talked about having children in the future and i did an episode in nigeria last year actually and one of the male doctors would say oh no that you know, why would I have a vasectomy? Because that would mean that even though I have my family and I've completed my family now, that means I might not have children again in the future if I had another wife or I, um, or, you know, a, a tragedy happens like a house fire and I lose all the children in the house fire. And these are sort of um, fear-based things that are very entrenched in our culture in terms of looking towards the future. What would you say to someone in that cultural context who feels well, yes, I have one partner now and we've had all the children that we want to have, but something could happen in the future or I could, I could, you know, get bored of this wife and move on to another person and then she wouldn't want to be with me because I can't have children. What would you say to people who are so entrenched in culture? Yeah, I think cultures are something that's really, really important to all of us because without our culture and the drive that was instilled into us when we were younger, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. But at the same time, there are some um, elements of culture that sometimes we have to think about phasing out. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I think that in terms of um, the context we talk about now, in terms of vasectomies, there often is, okay, in terms of family life and in terms of anything that is to do with contraception, that's the female role. Mm -hmm. And as guys, we sort of don't necessarily get involved in that. And I think that trying to be a bridging gap between generations and taking the good aspects of the generation before us and actually evolving is really important because mm-hmm. why why as a person would you want to put your um, partner through higher risk in terms of going through certain procedures when the one that you can have as a, as a male is, is a lot simpler mm-hmm. um, so I think that obviously it shouldn't be rushed into hastily you always need to think about where are you in life are you happy with your current sort of situation in terms of children? Are you happy in your relationship? You should never get pushed into doing anything you don't want to do. It should never be sort of an off-the-cuff decision. It should be a decision you sort of speak to people about, that you trust, speak to people with knowledge you can trust, speak to your yeah. partner and weigh up these things um, rather than sort of just jumping into it and having those regrets. Yeah, yeah, very important. And what about on a general basis of so maybe talking to our friends about it and getting men to then start talking about these things and seeking help. And like you said, sometimes a man will sit on symptoms for months and years and we present so late at a point where actually sometimes there's not much that we could have done, but if they presented a lot earlier, there was so much more that could potentially have been done. What do you say to, especially men in that context and encouraging them to actually seek help and get advice from the right sources? I think that as men, we're so bad. Like I know for a fact I'm sitting here trying to be high and mighty and I do the same thing. <laughs> I ignore things so much as well. And I think that that culture just needs to change. Um, mm. and I think that one of the best ways we can do it is by doing videos like this, mm. um, where we actually address things head on. We hit, we hit the nail on the head, so to speak. And I think that we need to have friends that we sort of check up on and ask them, how are you? What's going on in your life at the moment? Mm. And it's kind of trying to shift the culture from guys just sort of ridiculing each other and sort of using jokes and sort of using humour as a way to communicate. We all go through things at times, don't we? It's kind of trying to take things out of the people, take a leaf out of the people's books and trying to make sure that dialogue can be open because sometimes you can speak to your friends such a long period of time and actually 
if you actually ask them what's going on in your life, how are you feeling, they might actually be able to divulge information you never thought you'd be able to get out of them. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that is so important. And what about female partners trying to speak to their partners about the vasectomy or perhaps never even you know like I speak to some of my female friends and we're like oh well you know your partner could get vasectomy and they're like oh no that he wouldn't even you know, he wouldn't even go to the optician why would I ask him to have a vasectomy no way um and so a lot of women you know especially in sort of the the black community would never even mention it to their black male partners to say but should we consider you having a vasectomy how would you suggest that a woman try to approach that especially if she's, you know, with a, with a traditional African man and she's afraid that he's just going to flip? The first thing I would say is good luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, okay. No, but in all seriousness, I think that the key thing really is that if you're in a long-standing relationship with somebody, then you should be able to have a conversation with them and have sort of facts and figures Mm. Um, or what you're saying because actually it might be something that's deeply entrenched into the guy's head in terms of oh why would I have a vasectomy I've never heard of anyone having a vasectomy mm. that's near me why would I do that but actually if they really really care about you and they understand okay this is actually a really quick procedure I can be back at work in a week's time um I'm, I'm still going to get paid from my job because it's only seven days off I can go back to work quite soon um, I can have sex with my partner without having to think about them becoming pregnant. Therefore, I can enjoy it more. I, mm. can, actually, I can actually relax and not necessarily think about, okay, there's a risk of um, having another children and all the financial implications and yeah. all the other things you have to think about. So presenting it like that and having other people that have gone through the procedure would be really important to sort of have that linking factor between the two. Yeah, that is important. And then how do we then get men who have had it in our cultural context to actually talk about it? Because there's also that thing of not wanting to seem weaker in the presence of other men who might judge you a certain way. So how do we get men who have gone through the procedure and know the benefits of the procedure um, and also, you know, the benefits in, in terms of their partner's own health as well um, to then talk about it and encourage other men who are apprehensive yeah. to consider it as well i think the onus is on us because i think that generation before certainly there is an element of sort of pride and we all know about certain pride and stubbornness um within our culture and that it literally is what it is but i think that as people who are thinkers of our generation we have to take the onus upon ourselves to have these conversations and say to people who are actually saying that no, I would never have that why trying to challenge it and asking why well, what is the reason that you're not going to have it can you actually give me an educated reason or is it because of the fact that someone told you beforehand so just just questioning things that is amazing and as we're rounding up and coming to, to, to the end of of this conversation mm -hmm. um I think that you know, and as we were, we were saying as well, that there is definitely, um, you know, when talking about men and when talking about their sexual health, there's a lot of, um, it can sometimes be a minefield. And I think that is something that sometimes women don't completely understand. Yeah. Um, and that is sort of, you know, an ongoing battle of the sexes, as, as we normally talk about, in as much as, you know, right now it, there's a lot of gender fluidity, but sometimes, you know, between cis male and cis female, there is still this sort of contrast. How do we encourage 
women to understand and also to encourage their male partners to seek help without putting pressure on them or without making them feel inadequate for not going to seek help? I think that having an open discussion with your partner um, and picking up on cues, because often as guys, we are aware something's happening, but actually we're living life on the go or we're worried about the implications. So we get worried similar to how um, you get worried. So it's just having the confidence um, in the relationship, the partnership, the friendship that you're in to actually verbalise them without feeling, okay, by verbalising it, I'm, a, I'm sort of diminishing myself, I'm losing some of my masculinity. So I think that pride is the reason that we don't divulge such information. We're thinking, I'm making myself vulnerable. Do I really want to do this? Um, <laughs> and it's just having that confidence and having the sort of partner that is able to sort of understand and able to sort of create an open environment that's key for us to make sure that we, we sort of offload information rather than just keep it in. That is that is fantastic. And if you wanted to give our listeners a final sort of championship point as a reminder of vasectomies, I mean, you said it twice now that vasectomies are not related to penile cancer. And there's no evidence of that. And I think that is one very important one that yeah. we should take away. And um, what else would would it be something that you want them to remember forever? I just think that we have to try and stop thinking as males that even though there are lots of things that we don't necessarily want to see our GP for or talk to our friends about, it's key that we can actually get involved in terms of things like contraception. It's not just a female topic at all. Um, Contraception is traditionally seen as something that's completely linked to females. And actually, because of the fact that that connotation is there, it means that things like vasectomies are forgotten about when it's such a safe and simple procedure. So I think that just being aware that actually, no, I can do something too. That's it really. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Where can our listeners find you online? (laughs) Um, So they can go onto my Instagram, which is Dr. Underscore BFG. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have. Make sure you leave us a rating or two on iTunes and share the episode with a friend or two who have not heard about us before. And please send us all your questions, suggestions and thoughts at hello at taboodoctor.com. We definitely want to hear from you. Subscribe to our newsletter as well and follow us on social media. Until next time, stay safe and keep slicing health fact away from health fiction.